2: I'm Mike Levin. I'm running for Congress against Daryl Issa, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallimore. All right, thank you for joining us, and welcome to this 309th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dallimore, and sitting directly... Across from me, the Wonder Woman herself, the lovely and talented Brittany Page.
3: What a great movie, you guys. (laughs) What a great, great movie.
2: You, uh, we went and saw Wonder Woman. We did. Yeah.
3: And it was fantastic.
2: I thought it was good, too. Very, very good movie.
3: In fact, I wouldn't mind saying it again. And oh, really? That doesn't happen very often. No, that's pretty One, rare. One, because I'm cheap and it's like a million dollars to go to the movies. And two... Slightly less
2: here in Southern California. Uh, Just slightly less than a million.
3: Nah, uh, it's pretty on the nose, but yeah.
2: <laughs> it's like the, the cost of the average house Yeah, to go to the movies.
3: Essentially. So yeah. we
2: choose to go to the movies and not own a home.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and we don't even go to the 3D version. Yeah, well, it doesn't work for me. And it's still a million dollars.
2: I don't know if, it's, if there's something wrong with my brain, or I just don't feel like it's worth the extra, like $5 or whatever it is. Yeah. Isn't it? It's like 16 or 18 bucks for the... I don't, we don't go, so I don't know. Yeah, I have no anyway.
3: idea. Really good. I cried several times, and I even cried... Days after watching the movie, like watching the preview again on TV huh. or all these pictures that are coming out of the little girls dressed in the Wonder Woman outfits yeah. and all excited. It's just really great to see the response to the
2: movie. Well, listen, it, I do believe that it is important and kind of a... It's, it's unique. Well, first of all, it's fucking 2017 and it shouldn't be unique to have strong, capable female leads in movies who aren't their behavior and their attitudes uh, and their character arc isn't predicated by the behavior of the, the man in the movie.
3: Yeah. Well, even with these superhero movies, Wonder Woman came out in the comic books, I think, like three years after... Batman and Superman. Yeah, like a long time ago. And
2: She's not a new character.
3: Right, and they have made how many Batman movies? Jesus. How many Superman movies?
2: Well, they've made a lot of bad ones, so too many. <laughs> too many.
3: Yeah, and this is the first time that she got her own movie. She is in Wonder Woman. And Gal Gadot is the Wonder Woman. Yeah. And she, what an incredible Wonder Woman. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah. But also, the little girl that plays her in the movie is fantastic, Be careful with
2: spoilers. No,
3: I... Well, everyone has seen her in the trailer. I know. I'm
2: just... I know you, and you get excited.
3: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But Listen,
2: I I think there is justification for people to get emotional over this, because it really does... It is a new day for for, for little girls and, and, and females all over to have... Listen, it's easy for a man to, to say, oh, I don't understand it. It didn't matter. Listen, guy, y- you've always had a strong, capable, powerful man to look to in every fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Not so with women. It is a different time where little little girls can wear their little Wonder Woman costumes and lift their little weights I'm referencing a specific photo that I saw.
3: Yeah, I'm getting emotional when you yeah, describe it's,
2: it. it. It's a big, it is a big event. It, yeah. it, hopefully this is the the dawning of a new day. I keep saying that stupid phrase, but th- the problem is, is that this gets held, like had Patty, what's her name?
3: Patty Jenkins.
2: Patty Jenkins. Had she fucked this up, it might spell uh, doom for god I keep using these superhero terms mm-hmm. it might spell something negative for a future female led movie because oh well that one didn't work so hollywood now is is maybe justifiably maybe not uh hesitant to put their money in on something cuz this is a business they're making money here
3: right but and male like, directors I think it's great. male directors can pump one turd out after yeah, the other. No, I'm <laughs> not
2: saying it's it's justified. It's... Well,
3: yeah, I, but I, I do want to say about the movie.
2: Wait, I want to mansplain some more.
3: Okay. <laughs> I, I do want to say about the movie, and I'm not giving anything away here that's not in the previews, that's not in, in, in interviews, but the first battle scene is with all of the Amazon warriors, which are all women. And it was just awesome to see that yeah. and, and know that young girls are going to see that and Get this message, receive this message that women are capable and just as capable as men and they will feel that power walking out of the room. Yeah. You know, just like some people feel when they leave Tokyo Drift and they want to go drift in their car in the parking lot. (laughs) I'm not saying I personally (laughs) relate to that. that I'm just saying that that might be what someone does. That
2: sounds like (laughs) a personal anecdote. (laughs) It's like when I was a kid, you know, watching Rambo or or Goonies is a good example. Mm -hmm uh i was ready to go on a fucking treasure hunt after leaving (laughs) goonies yeah you know yeah and that's i think that's great for little girls
3: well like me i used to love the movie by the
2: the way i never found any treasure so it was i was you know (laughs) it's really unfortunate wild goose chase yeah uh
3: i used to love the movie not the show the movie with uh Christy Swanson, Buffy the Vampire oh, Slayer. Oh, Buffy
2: the Vampire. Okay.
3: And I would watch it, and then I would go and run around in my backyard and like jump on objects and throw wooden pieces and act like I was killing vampires. It's
2: like a mini parkour.
3: Yeah, that's gym. exactly what it was.
2: Jungle gym in the back.
3: Yeah, but that was kind of my my role model, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I I, know she was,
2: not role model, but someone yeah. to look up to or emulate.
3: Yeah, and I
2: guess that's role model.
3: And so I guess I'm I'm happy. That young girls will have Wonder Woman because she is awesome.
2: Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So go see the movie.
3: Yeah. The uh, third sponsor of the. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get to some voicemails, Brittany Page. We got a lot of communication this week. Actually, let's let's start with a couple emails and then we'll get into the voicemails because oftentimes what happens is. We play the voicemails. I respond. I blow my wad and forget that uh, we had some emails and I skip them. So sorry, everybody. But I I suck.
3: This email is from Brittany.
2: I'm shitting on myself here. I would I would expect that you'd want me to have more time.
3: No, <laughs> no, we're done with that. This email is from.
2: No more Wonder Woman for you. I don't <laughs> like this assertive Brittany Page.
3: Uh, yeah. That's been around long before I knew about <laughs> Wonder Woman. So, uh, this is from Joshua. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, I am a 15 year old from Midwest, Kansas.
4: Yeah. I, have,
3: <laughs> I have been a fan of the show for almost half a year. I really appreciate having you guys as my soundtrack throughout my summer job. I have been very interested in politics for a while. I have campaigned for a local candidate and participated in extemporaneous speaking. Having a left-leaning opinion in Midwest Kansas can be hard, as you could imagine. My parents are very moderate and often jokingly call me a libtard.
2: They're moderate and they call you a libtard. <laughs> I think that you're, because you live in South, in Kansas, yeah. anywhere fucking in Kansas, mm-hmm. your 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 barometer, your gauge for what is moderate is probably askew.
3: Yeah. I don't want to get off, talk it here, off topic here, but...
2: Wonder Woman just got y'all a, a flitter, yeah. a flitter, Twitter. Oh, and you too. <laughs> a flutter.
3: I, I saw someone, <laughs> I saw someone write Libratard. On Facebook. Oh wow,
2: Libretard. Yeah, they must be really into uh, to astrology.
3: Yeah, I've never heard it put that way.
2: <laughs> or they're just a bad
1: speller.
3: Okay. Back to Joshua's email, Joshua, I find peers in my school coming to me to tell me just how wrong I am. (laughs) Despite the opposition, I still want to participate in some form of activism. However, I have a hard time telling my parents what I believe in. My parents are deeply religious and I have not yet told them of my breakaway of the religion that I was raised in. I find this especially hard as I have been a drummer in my church for several years. I'd like to know how you would suggest I balance my beliefs with the beliefs of my parents and society in general. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. But shout out to Jonathan from the UK. What a G.
2: Wow. Love the
3: show. Brittany's the
2: best part. Jonathan's getting shout outs. (laughs) But fuck Jesse (laughs) Dalamore. Fuck that guy.
3: Oh, that's amazing.
2: Let me, we love Jonathan from the UK, first of all. I want to get that on the record. Yes. Let me, let me say this. Um, And I don't know if I'm just parsing words here, but I don't think you have to do anything to balance your beliefs against those of your parents. Mm -hmm. You you can believe whatever you want that's diametrically opposed to what they believe. It's your actions that matter. And if you're respectful, that you don't agree with them, you don't, it doesn't have to be stated. Just believe what you're going to believe. Yeah. But you got three years to wait it out, brother, till you're 18 and can can be an adult and live your life. So you're kind of a you're kind of a captive. You mm-hmm. really are. And it, even if they are fundamentalist religious wise, like my parents were are still. Um. It doesn't. It doesn't mean you can't believe something different than them. Yeah. But yeah. if, you know, if it's a requirement to go to church, then you know what? It's a requirement <laughs> to go to church and go keep drumming. Be involved in that community. That doesn't mean you're you're selling yourself out or your belief system. Yeah. I know thousands of maybe more wonderful, wonderful Christian people. You know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. <laughs> I know tens. Yeah. Well, I wanted to make it a big number. Yeah. I probably do know thousands of good Christians.
3: Okay. Well, you could just say- How you, you, fucking dare you? Could you could just say they exist. You don't have to know them, but-
2: Well, I, how can I attest to people I don't know whether they're good people or not?
3: Well, that's a lot of bad people.
2: I I can't- I can't- What <laughs> am I gonna I only can give anecdotal <laughs> evidence. Okay.
3: Yeah, that's true. So I do want to say that I was uh, a member of my church even when I stopped believing as well. Because I really liked the people mm-hmm. and the community, kind of what you're you're saying, and I also liked the message. I went to a more liberal church. Yeah, we we had my former pastor on, Mark
2: Trailer. If you want to search the, yeah, Mark Trailer, T R Y, T R Y T R A Y L O R. That's that's it. Like tray like a lunch tray, tray yeah. lore. Yeah, yeah.
3: He wrote the book Radicalizing Peace, and we interviewed him about that. So he is a beautiful person, and a lot of his sermons had subliminal liberal messaging (laughs) (laughs) about being a good person. So I don't know what kind of church Joshua is going to or if he's being forced to go or any of that. Uh, So that might be more difficult if it is a church that is advocating ideas that are harmful, right? Yeah. Uh, Like oppression of the LGBT community, things like that. Um, You don't
2: take part in that. Just be you. You be you. Be a good person. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then as it relates to your parents, if they love you... Regardless of your beliefs, it's it's actually good practice engaging with people that you disagree and maintaining a functional, loving relationship, which I think we all need to practice.
2: Yeah, for sure. Especially, especially with the climate. In these climate, that's yeah. exactly right. So like we had it written on the wall or something. We were reading <laughs> from a script.
3: Yeah. We're not. And uh, I, I that think... That would
2: be a very hastily written script.
3: Yeah. But if you're in a situation where disagreeing with your parents causes conflict that interferes with your life satisfaction, I don't know, then maybe it's best to just keep your head down. You know, you don't have to share right. your, your changing opinions with them.
2: So. Right on. Thanks for the email. We appreciate it very much. Let's get to one more email, and then we'll get to the voicemails.
3: Okay. And this one is from Jay. All these Jay names writing out. Jay. Hey, guys. I thought I would mention something about the current state of Congress. I would also like to give some negative publicity to my congressman, Lee Zeldin, who blindly supports Trump through and through. I think the hypocrisy and the blind following of Trump is more dangerous and more alarming than I previously thought, and I really think this is something that needs to be addressed. The reason for this is because my congressman has been making late night Facebook posts calling anyone who doesn't support Trump a quote radical liberal or at some points having Facebook arguments with his constituents making claims that are just completely false at worst and full misleading at best. He has also at one point wished his constituents a happy holiday on some given holiday and backhandedly said even the Hillary supporters that have lost their minds since November winky face. Wow. Are these the leaders we have? I think 2018 is possibly the most important congressional election in a long time, and I think moving the conversation forward on this would be most useful. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. I don't have a question, just a statement on how the full-blown congressional partisan commitment is dangerous, and I think Lee Zeldin falls in the same category as Daryl Issa and Paul Ryan in terms of ridiculous blind support and needing to be voted out. Thanks, Jay.
2: I agree. I also agree on the fact that 2018, uh, the upcoming um, midterms are are very likely the most important congressional election in the history of the country. Period. Full stop. Because of the dangers, why are you smirking?
3: I just the full stop, I don't know, made
5: me.
2: The dangers smile. of uh I'm just giving the the listeners a a sneak peek into the studio with Brittany Page as I speak and see the snarky reactions <laughs> to the things that I say. Sorry. That Donald Trump does pose a specific clear and present danger. Are you getting snarky again about that too? No. And, uh, you know, getting him out. Part of that is going to be a groundswell of support for getting the opposition party. And I don't even, I don't like party politics. I'm only recently a member of the Democratic Party because Donald Trump was elected. Had Hillary Clinton been elected president uh, with my reluctant vote for her, I would have stayed no party preference. I would have stayed out of the fray relative to, to partisan politics, party partisan politics. It's because now is the time to take a stand that I joined the Democratic Party. So, yeah, and in and, and in 2018, November 2018 is a a monumental time to 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 make take a stand and get some Democrats in there to get the Republicans and this toxic agenda and bring it to a halt.
3: Yeah, I do want to say something about the hypocrisy because this has been bothering me. Donald Trump golfing. Now, his golfing doesn't necessarily bother me. What bothers me is Daryl Issa would likely be tweeting if Barack Obama
2: went golfing
3: after something like what just happened with the London Bridge attack. But Donald Trump goes golfing and... There's nothing from all the people who would normally be outraged when President Barack Obama would go golfing.
2: And he's gone, he's visited golf courses 23 of the past 17, 23 times in 17 weeks.
3: Yeah, so this is his 23rd golf trip since taking office.
2: And, and, And again, by the way, I agree with you that it doesn't fucking, if he wants to golf during the week, go golfing executives at companies go golfing during the week if you want to meet with people if you want to go solo do your fucking thing just shut the fuck up when the other party's in office and that guy wants to golf too
3: yeah so but but here's the thing about that as well this is donald trump's 23rd golf trip since taking office Mm -hmm. obama reportedly averaged 41 golf club visits per year per year as president
2: and it was a problem for conservatives yes yeah and so... <laughs> I mean, it was it was a headline on Fox News hundreds of days. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: And any time he went golfing when there was terrorist activity, people freaked out.
2: Yeah. All so, over social media. So much so that he curtailed the golfing during times of unrest.
3: Right. Like he's going to be able to do something personally to intervene. Well, he has
2: to put down his M-16. Yeah. And, you know, to, to pick up a golf club. So... It's best when he's not golfing, because he does have the, the machine gun at the ready right. to defend America right? single-handedly. Yeah,
3: well, even this Hill article, it's like, amid turmoil, Trump spends weekend at golf club. Yeah, I prefer that he stays away and someone else <laughs> deals with it, because <laughs> I don't want him firing off these tweets like he did, anyway.
2: We're in decent hands with Mattis and McMaster. I'm suspect of Kelly now, the Homeland Security, Homeland security secretary,
3: uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, let's
2: get to some voicemails. Listen, we appreciate it very much, Jay and- uh, Joshua. Jay and Joshua, very much. You guys are awesome.
6: Hi, um, so this is Charles in Seattle. I wanted to weigh in on the Kathy, Kathy Griffith situation. Um, I'm just gonna start by saying she made a joke of a clown uh, who constantly makes the joke of this, who constantly makes the joke of the presidency and this country. Um, she might as well have Pagliacci's head in her hand. It's a direct allusion. I'm sorry, the, the artwork, the um, actual video was a direct allusion to the story of Judith and Holofernes, and, and utilizing Trump's own words. And, and as such, it's actually very artistically sound. Um, it, it's very artistically well-structured. I mean, it makes a reference to old classical piece. It also utilizes words previously spoken. I think is actually well done, artistically speaking. There were no threats, actually, in my opinion. Um, so I would not say that it's comparable to ISIS, how many people have been kind of stating um, play over the extreme work of art and, you know, it, but it's not being critiqued as artwork. It's almost looking at, looked at as a crime, which I think is complete bullshit. And art is not always pretty, people. And, and it's supposed to be thought provoking. It's supposed to make you think. Um, it can even disgust you sometimes to a good effect. Um, and it reflects this current state of affairs and goddamn it. We live in topsy turvy town. Um, love this goddamn show. Brittany's the best part, but I gotta say, Jesse, you are a fucking hot. Thanks. <laughs>
3: Love the show. So, I've been seeing this, too, where people are saying it's like ISIS. And here's why it's not like ISIS. That wasn't actually Donald Trump's head. Yeah. And ISIS actually takes off people's heads. Right. And
2: puts them in cages and burns them alive. So. On video. Yeah. Not ISIS. However, it was not just art. It was a political statement. And... Look, do I think that she do do I think that there should be some kind of uh government intervention here? no, but uh your your speech you're responsible for the repercussions of such, and I don't blame c n n one, they have to protect their brand and disassociating with her you know i I probably would have made the same choice had I been the executives over there so having so having said that. Uh, and and agreeing that, it, that, that I believe it probably can be looked upon as art. I'm not an art guy, so I I clearly don't know as much as Charles does about what makes makes it art, right? And what she was referring to, all of that. I don't. I don't. That's not my not my wheelhouse. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but I would say that even when you have art, it doesn't give you uh, a blank check to do and say anything you want to without. Repercussion, because he's still the president of the United States, and when you are depicting him in violent and violent tangential uh, arenas, that's that's different territory than just you know smearing cat shit on his face on a photo mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> There's blood dripping from what is obviously a depiction of Donald Trump's head
3: mm-hmm.
2: severed dead head.
3: I mean, right.
2: It, it's just different.
3: Well, and she shouldn't ha- be receiving death threats. All of these things shouldn't Absolutely be happening. Absolutely not. Of course not. Um, but in terms of the losing the New Year's Eve job and things like that, those are just going to be repercussions. Yeah,
2: They come along with the territory. Uh,
3: right. So yeah.
2: So here's a call, here's another call on the same on the same uh, on the same topic that uh, Maybe a little different viewpoint.
1: Hello, Jesse and Brittany. This is Chris from Staten Island calling in, and I wanted to touch upon the preponderance of public figures putting their foot in their mouths recently. Um, I don't want to get into Bill Maher. Uh, what happened with him? It was an off-the-cuff statement by a well-known hump, and he apologized for it. I feel like that's done and and over with. Plus, any discussion that could be had, I feel like I can't really contribute too much owing to the fact that I'm a white guy. Instead of that, I want to get into this thing that I think is getting conflated with our modern culture. The idea of a joke versus a meme. Um, Because of Facebook and other um, forces that people, especially young people, are subjected to, the two are getting conflated. Like to to the point where joke and meme are – interchangeable, and they're not. And I feel like what happened recently with Kathy Griffin proves that. So for a matter of moving the conversation forward, let's talk about the difference between a joke and a meme. A meme is just an idea, a concept. It goes out into the aether, and then it survives based on how much or how well it is circulated, sort of like our genes. So a meme survives on how well it's shared that's sort of like where the expression going viral from memes and viruses and genes are all very similar um and i'm sure that a real doctor can go into much greater difference on this or much greater discussion on this but i i'm just a dumb guy so i i can't uh the difference is a joke has a story It has a comparison. It sets up an expectation, then it defies that expectation, hence where the standard setup punchline delivery comes from. So as examples, let's look into what happened with Kathy Griffin and the thing with Stephen Colbert. Kathy Griffin just took a photo of her with a severed puppet head of Donald Trump, a very realistic-looking head that cost money, had to be properly dressed, needed to be photographed. And the photograph was most likely just going to go up onto the internet, get shared, and go viral. That's And there's not really – like there's a discussion to be had there, but there's not a defiance of expectation other than of your moral or social norms. Uh, it's just shocking. It's not funny. Whereas Stephen Colbert, and I'm going to paraphrase to sort of make my point a little better, said, Donald Trump's mouth isn't good for anything other than being Vladimir Putin's cock holster. So Donald Trump's mouth isn't good for anything. That's that's a statement. It's basically saying Donald Trump lies. He is, he's an idiot. He just spouts nonsense. That's a sentiment. That's a sentiment that I think people can get behind, except being Vladimir Putin's cock holster. That implies the dominance that Vladimir Putin has over him, and it puts the rather disturbing image into everyone's head of Donald Trump blowing Vladimir Putin. So let's quickly move on, quickly, quickly, quickly. Um, so you can, I hope you can see, or I hope that the listeners out there, especially young people, can see the difference between a meme, which is just an idea, might be funny, but ultimately doesn't have that contrast or that comparison going on and a joke, which does. And I feel like if more people, especially more comedians now, know that difference, they could get themselves into a lot less trouble. Anyways, that's my two cents. Love the show. Keep up the good work. And I'm out. Well, well, I think Chris is getting a little in the weeds, about
2: it I mean that's that's fine tuning the topic quite a bit uh, He's he is correct and I think it does draw a distinction between what Charles was saying and what Chris here is saying because she is calling this a joke it mm-hmm. was joke it wasn't funny she says that in her apology yeah she's okay. not claiming it's like art but then again here I am back probably paint myself into a corner because I don't know about art but Jokes can be art. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a painting on a wall. Yeah. As Jack Donaghy would say that only boats and horses or something. Uh-huh. Now I'm getting in the weeds. Anyway. As he would say. As as the real character, the real person, Jack Donaghy on 30 Rock. Anyway, uh, two very different uh, perspectives. Chris really not making any value judgments on the worth of it, just that it, the difference between a joke and a meme. Yeah. So. I do want to talk a little bit about this, though. Very quickly, I want to play... She went to Lisa Bloom, who is noted uh, Gloria Allred's daughter, who is a famed celebrity attorney.
3: Yeah, they always hold the dramatic press conferences. Yeah.
2: Well, this, this particular press conference that was held with Lisa Bloom and Kathy Griffin was no less dramatic. She, listen, I, her... I've already talked about it last time. Her apology, quote-unquote... Seemed very contrived to me. And this particular portion of the 30-minute press conference, because now she's claiming that she's the victim here. Anyway, listen to this.
4: you have fear for your career after this storm dies down?
7: Absolutely. I don't think I will have a career after this. We'll I think before. he, I think he, I think he, I'm going to be honest. He broke me. He broke me. He broke me. And then I was like, no, this isn't right. It's just not right. And I apologized because that was the right thing to do and I meant it. And then I saw the tide turning and I saw what they were doing. And I went, oh, okay, they're trying to spin this and they're making it about Baron. And obviously that was never my intent. I would never want to hurt anyone, much less a child. But I started to see what was really happening. And then it was a mob mentality pile on. And so many people have expressed to me personally across the country at my shows, they're scared. So yeah, I don't know what's—I don't know if I'm gonna get arrested
4: today. I don't know,
7: what do you but think I about have to CNN stand up. you? Excuse me. What do you think about CNN firing you? It's—it's uh, it's
4: hurtful to me. It's hurtful. Yeah. It's censorship, is what it is. I'll say it more bluntly. I just, she worked there for ten years. Look, she was there's the Best thing of, about New Year's Eve.
7: There's a bunch of old white guys trying to silence me, and I'm just here to say that's wrong. As you Larry, don't have to like me, but you shouldn't silence a comic.
4: As Larry King that's said, Ted Turner Kathy. would never have done it. Can that's we go
8: around? T- okay, Lisa, think we're
2: thinking Has Kathy talked to Anderson? Have you had a chance to talk to Anderson Cooper yet? <sighs> so you'd have to watch the clip to see that not nary a tear was shed. And maybe it's, you know, all the work she's had done that kind of squelches out the tears or something. But that was phony bullshit is what that was. And I don't have any animus against Kathy Griffin. I, I think she's funny. I've watched a couple of her stand up shows. I I think her style is unique. I think she's funny. But uh this I don't know what this is. What is she doing? She's afraid she might be arrested? Come on. Just forcing herself into the victim role here. I
3: just I don't know how getting fired from your New Year's Eve job is censorship. Is that what she was saying? I,
2: I guess I I don't know what censorship is happening. No one's forcing you to take down your artwork.
3: Well, keep it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Anderson immediately issued a tweet (laughs) on this matter when this happened because he knows that in order to be a journalist, right, he needs to be impartial or give the appearance of being impartial, right?
2: Or you know. In a more perfect world, actually be impartial.
3: Yeah, well, that's what I started with. <laughs> I know. Okay, it's just... and and <laughs> if he is associated with this, then. There is ammunition.
2: Well, of course, there's going to be questions about how How do you feel about this? You, you co-host this New Year's Eve special right. with her every yeah. year. Well, and
3: even they they asked. They don't care about her crying. They want to know, have you talked to Anderson? Right. We they want the details. Don't give
2: a shit about her crying. We
3: want to know the details here. Yeah. And she didn't answer that. And I think that that's probably because she or Anderson told her, listen, like, don't comment on things that we talk about yeah. or I don't know because he he's a journalist yeah he can't be associated with this and cnn they're trying to do the news they're trying to present an impartial image they cannot be associated with someone who held up a bloody head of donald trump yeah because that gives ammunition to fox news or cnn's competitors oh yeah to say look at cnn look who they have on look who they're associated with yeah and Fox News viewers, conservatives, look at CNN. We've always said it's liberal propaganda.
2: Yeah. And they're not doing anything about this because they're in the tank.
3: Right. And yeah. that's problematic.
2: Sure, sure. Well, the other thing Chris mentioned he said he didn't want to talk about, I do want to talk about, that's the Bill Maher thing. We can burn through this pretty briefly. But Bill Maher on his show on Friday, he called himself in a conversation with Senator Bill Sass that wasn't about slavery. It wasn't about... African-American culture in our country, he called himself a house nigger. Here's the clip.
6: Nebraska more. You're welcome. We'd love to have you
2: work in the fields with us. Work in the fields? That's
5: part of that. That's it. Senator. I'm a house nigger. No, it's... It's a show. Thank
2: you. Always great. Always great when a comedian after they say a joke, have to say, no, it's a joke. Hey, Dick, if you're a comedian, you don't have to say it's a fucking joke if it's a joke. I think he knew right away he was going to be in trouble here. Mm -hmm. He has since apologized and blamed it on being tired because Friday nights are busy and a lot of work goes into it. And he's he's just kind of tired at the end of the day. Yeah, Why don't you rest before you go on live TV for years and years and years of the run of your show? Because mm-hmm. you know, it's not like the first time you've done the show on a Friday night. You do it every week. You know the physical demands and how tired you'll be. Well, the- Maybe you want to take a little nap before you go out there and broadcast yourself live to the world.
3: The apology is very uncharacteristic of Bill Maher.
2: Yeah, well, I think he. there's probably a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. from the executives at HBO. Yeah. So Firestorm, I put this up on the Facebook page, along with, I really did want to know, I I realized Brittany kind of scolded me afterward, or pointed out, I don't want to say scolded, but you pointed out that I... I did put a negative spin on it when I called him anti-science, anti-vax, uh, and anti-trans, mm-hmm. and then asked, what does everybody think? Yeah. But he is anti-GMO. Yes. He is anti-vaccine. Mm-hmm. He is, or I don't know if he's anti-trans, but he has certainly said some shitty things about trans people
3: Yeah, well, in the that- past. That was when Milo Yiannopoulos was on.
2: He called them weirdos or whatever. And
3: Milo loved that. Yeah. So uh, people are people love Bill Maher
2: it, in a weird cultish kind of it's, way. Apparently, it's very
3: strange because I have for years uh, thought that he does not represent the atheist community well. Mm-hmm. But then I started thinking that like most of the people in the atheist community don't represent the atheist community well. So. <laughs> Um, that's, that's another topic, but as it relates to Bill Maher and the reactions that I was seeing, I literally had people telling me that it weakens the liberals to criticize our own.
2: That was the, uh, the running theme. Now, seems. now
3: tell me how in the hell liberals should expect conservatives to criticize their own, yeah. If we're not willing to do the same, now this is all—all all of this is just the problem with polarization and partisanship.
2: Well, there was also people claiming that I was attacking him personally rather than the ideas. And if it's his ideas that are bad, that's what I'm attacking. Not, I mean, Bill Maher. I don't think he's a great guy. I think he victimizes women. I think he's a chauvinist. He's generally kind of a shitty guy. I think.
3: Well, and I had people, people were saying in one breath, he's not anti-vax. And then in another saying, well, he was anti-vax two and a half years ago.
2: He might have changed his mind.
0: <laughs> right.
3: Okay, great. Yeah, he might have changed his mind, but, but the fact still remains. Well, how that, many
2: people did he convert to anti-vax or vax skepticism right, that he in has, between?
3: He has this platform. And he's using it to talk about the dangers of vaccines and well, how d- he and hopes the dangers of GMO and how he hopes he would never have to get one and calling GMOs Franken foods, saying that we should at least have GMO labeling so we can know which foods are Frankenfoods, so we don't have to eat mutant chili. These are these are problematic when you have a platform like that and when you have people who viciously respect you and everything that you say that right. it can't even be challenged and defend. That's problematic, and I think the reaction, uh, along the lines of what Chris said, I'm white. I don't want to comment on whether or not
2: you are white, that is true.
3: I don't want to comment on whether or not the use of the word is appropriate because it what does it have to do with me? I will default and listen to the people that that word affects.
2: Yeah. Well, simple I, listen, as that. I just I would ask this: Under what context? Was this use appropriate? I, I, I don't think the word is an off limits. Oh my God. Because I just said house nigger in reference to him saying it. I would never, other than referencing someone talking about it, use not anymore. I'm sure in my past as a kid, a fundamentalist Christian, the the household I grew up in, I'm sure. In, in fact, maybe even in the Marine Corps, I thought maybe I had a past because I, I had a lot of black friends. But not, I, listen, as a clear thinking, independent adult, I don't understand when it would be appropriate because one, what he said, I don't, maybe somebody else finds it funny, but it wasn't even in context to what Ben, ben Sass was saying. Mm-hmm. Ben Sass is making a reference to all of the the agricultural fields that can, you know, hey, Bill Maher, yeah, come out and help us work in the fields in, in Nebraska, yeah. farm country. And then I, I just, I, I get the... I, I get the relationship between working in the fields and uh, he's not, but you're fucking white, dude. Just because you've banged a few black chicks doesn't doesn't make you like, oh, okay, It's I, g- I get the card. I get to say it.
3: Well, that's kind of a confusing thing to me too is all these white people rushing to defend the use of the word. <laughs> well. I just, I don't know if that is, I don't know what's happening with that. It's very confusing to me.
2: I've seen a few black, people on the internet, uh, Twitter, you know, in response to some of the things I've posted. Yeah. I've seen them defend, a few of them defend. But, and this is again anecdotal, but, but largely it has been with outrage. Like who, who in the fuck does he think he is? Yeah. That's kind of been what I've seen.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, like you said, I would have to take their, their run on this because I don't use the word, and
3: its use is not associated with your oppression it, it that's it well, it's th- not- well that's
2: what i was going to say you brought me back to it is that like i tweeted out hey tell me again random white fella how how you don't see how the word should be offensive to anybody oh really white guy who doesn't have that in 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 his in his past culturally or genetically, the scourge of slavery and the oppression and violence and rape and murder, in a, in a systemic nature. I mean, talk about the 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 damage or the 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 validity of like epigenetics and the the trauma that can be passed. That's fucking science.
3: So I do want to say that this is a good lesson in hopefully <laughs> people being able to criticize viewpoints of a person and still being able to like that person. Yeah. So again, I watch Bill Maher's show every week. I do. Well, not the whole thing, but clips of it. I do not. And overtime. I watch the show. I do not like a lot of Bill Maher's viewpoints and a lot of the things that he says, but I still watch the show. I enjoy the show, not the monologue. I, again, overtime. And when there's other people, (laughs) But uh, this is possible. And in the discussions that I saw, it was as though it's impossible to criticize someone's ideas and the things that they're saying because you must hate them.
2: Right, right. If you disagree.
3: If you disagree.
2: Well, Well, and I'm. And this is a problem. I'm a little bit on the other side of that because I disagree with him and I don't like him. Here's what I hope happens I hope they fucking shit can him. And John Stewart gets hired to replace that time slot with a brand new show. They've been in talks with Jon Stewart. That—that's what I think would be great—is someone who's more reasonable and rational, and not such a trying to be Mister Funny Guy firebrand. You—you uh, you seem skeptical, or
3: I just don't think it will ever happen.
2: Hmm. Well, well, I mean
3: see. HBO was unhappy for sure.
2: Maybe uh, we'll have a tootin' of the old old horn. For one of us here.
3: <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll see.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move on. We've got two more calls. This show is going to end up just being voicemails. These two next calls, they do come into this terror thing, which will lead us to talk about a little bit about London at the end. First, I have to say these calls are in reference to a voicemail from last show where Mark, the mailman, called in and gave me a, a ration of, 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 I don't want to say ration of shit, but he, he just corrected me. He was, he was disappointed or, or aggravated or concerned or whatever the words he used with my not bringing Islam to task, not labeling the number one threat and maybe painting Christianity too harshly. Here are some voicemails on that.
6: Um, listening in episode 308, I um, had a comment, really, for Mark, uh, with his, uh, after the Reformation, Christianity is okay, he has no bad ideas, I want him to maybe consider the $23.8 million
2: Let me let me say what Mark would say uh, in 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 advance, and that's I think you were being snarky there, Henry, when you said that after the Reformation, Christianity has no bad ideas. I think you're being snarky, so let's get that out of the way. That's clearly not Mark's view. We don't want to completely strawman him here, but uh, that's that's one v- viewpoint. We 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 got a lot of emails and a lot of voicemails on this, but we. You know, unless we do what we're ending up doing here, which is just a voicemail show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We can't include them all. Here's another that takes both Mark and me to task, even though Mark and I didn't really agree.
4: Hey, guys. It's Daria from Houston. I just listened to your most recent episode uh, where Mark, the mailman, was calling about to rant about (laughs) Islam Um, and... I have a few words about that, and a few words for Dollar More. Um, first of all, on the Muslim thing, I feel like it's you don't necessarily even have to dive super deep into the numbers to see that Muslims aren't an issue, right? Like, Muslims, there's 1.8 billion Muslims in the world that's roughly a quarter of the entire world population, right? And we don't have a quarter of the world population actively plotting against everyone else in the world, right? Like, we don't have a quarter of the population constantly and perpetually committing crimes, committing terror, etc. Um Especially since, like, that's a huge fucking number. But secondly, to more and I guess to Mark as well, um, I am an atheist, uh, but I was raised a Russian Orthodox Christian. Um, my mom was very traditional, but, you know, she still let me go on my own path. However, I feel like it's really, really, really important for us to recognize that religion is it necessarily monolithic, right? We have to first, if we're going to make these statements about religion, we have to first recognize that there's a difference between religion as in faith and religion as the organization. And even then, we have to recognize that there's a difference between religion as a faith and the people who practice that religion. And even further, we also have to recognize that there's a difference between the religious faith the primary sources of the religion, so, you know, the Quran, the Bible, etc., and also the interpretations of those primary sources and the preachings of those primary sources. So I feel like to clump all of these uh, religions together and say that, you know, Christianity is bad, Islam is bad, etc., etc., that can be slightly problematic and slightly overgeneralized. And you know I like the show a lot. I call you guys all the time. But this is where I think it's dangerous territory to go onto because the precedent of being able to group religions or group such an override generalization into one statement and say that X is bad or Christianity is bad, you know, or all religions are bad, allows the same uh, pre- it's the same um, logic for other people to say Islam is bad or religion is bad because clumping it all into one agglomerate thing and like recognizing there's a distinction between state and primary resources and organization and people Leads to a lot of bad impacts, right? It allows to it allowed Donald Trump to become president, and allowed him to do all this fear mongering because it's way easier to group people into an authorized like uh, or otherwise organization.
0: Whoa! Oh,
2: cut off! Minute and a half to two minutes, people. There was just so much good stuff in there. I decided to include it. Let me say a few things, Daria. First of all, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. We appreciate all your calls. Not everybody gets... We just don't have the time on the show. So let me say this, though. Th- th- you have a point that that a quarter of the world's population is Muslim. Not one all 1. 1.8 or 2 billion or whatever people are committing acts of terror. So, clearly, the numbers are all over, exceedingly overwhelming immeasurably overwhelming that not all Muslims are terrorists. However, I get that people get, they get a little squirrely about Islam when 99% of the acts of terror or more are committed by Muslims who are misled and following some toxic version of the faith. So I get that. Now, as far as your you if we lump they're not all a monolith and if we lump them all together that's bad let me just speak to the three monotheistic faiths judaism christianity and islam if your faith in the the texts the primary sources we won't talk about the hadith we won't talk about the the different uh, non-canonical books of the holy bible If it allows for slavery, it's bad. It is toxic. It is evil. It is terrible. It is easily able to be marked as such. And that's just one thing. If your faith says that men are more dominant and powerful and women should keep their mouths shut and their heads covered... That is bad, that is easy to label as terrible. And that's where I can label entire faiths as a bummer because of, we'll just go with the slavery thing. If a supreme being who created the entire universe said it was okay to own other people, which we know to be terrible, we know with even the the basic knowledge that we have now slavery's no good but 3000 years ago the, the 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 being that inspired the holy word of god said it was okay not okay so i i disagree that you can't label these faiths as a monolith and just name them bad whether we primary sources or not but here we here we come again Full circle, I'm not criticizing Muslims or Christians. I'm labeling their beliefs and their ideas about those things. If they take them at their word i'm 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 labeling the ideas bad, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. well, and I think that uh, Dario is speaking to something important, which is people don't appreciate nuanced conversation, yeah. right. So it's easier to just say, Religion is bad. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, that doesn't mean that the people who say that you need to turn the other cheek and they only listen to the red letters, right? Yeah. Those people are not a problem. They're not oppressing people. Yeah. Right?
2: I mean, uh, largely, yeah. So
3: what she's saying is correct, that there's people who even just say, yeah, I'm a Christian because they were raised that way, but they couldn't tell you anything about Christianity. Right. Uh, I'm sure the same thing is in Islam, right? I'm a Muslim. I was raised that way, but I don't really follow any of the tenets. I don't you know, know anything about it. The problem is there are aspects of each faith that warrant criticism and discussion should be okay on those issues. Yeah. And when we start heading into this territory where people want to say that religions are all about peace and religion is all good and it makes everyone loving, one... That contributes to stigma against atheists. Two, it's not true. And three, these conversations are important in terms of finding the best path forward and figuring out what we need to change, what we need to do, what we need to explore,
2: right? How we can more, uh, how we can better live together as human beings with different cultures and different backgrounds and different experiences. Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, the way people talk about it can be very off-putting.
2: Yeah. Like me, you mean people like me
3: or Mark, the mailman. Yeah. People can come across as very aggressive and it can turn people off of wanting to even address it at all or send them the opposite way where they want to ignore the factual statements that one might be saying right, and run to protect religion. So it's actually backfiring, right?
2: Yeah, you've taught me that more than anybody else. Watching how you interact oftentimes is a lesson for me because I'm I am the fiery guy. I am oftentimes the guy who gets recalcitrant and pig-headed maybe. Mm-hmm. Not maybe, sometimes pretty pig headed mm-hmm. And that's some that's why sometimes I bow out of arguments on Facebook because I don't have the civility in me to continue in a way that's respectful. So I just, I have to fucking calm it down.
3: Well, and I often bow out because of the, someone who's responding to me immediately, which means they're not taking into consideration my words, which means they're just searching their brain for whatever's going to confirm their viewpoint and not actually listening. They are uh typing words into Google and then reading the the headline of something and pasting it in to back up their argument. Right. right? Whenever a conversation right. is becoming just a a war against who's right and uh validating your confirmation bias, I- I'm done with that. Yeah. And oftentimes when you are are so critical of religion, I think it makes people bow out in a similar in a similar way. Yeah. That it's not worth listening to, right? So that's why it's a, it needs to be a nuanced conversation. Right
2: nuance is our friend yes i've said it before that uh, nuance is not the friend of the lower thinker and i have to remind myself all that that all the time because it's easy because it's easy for your brain to process black and white simple yes or no a binary choice and that's not that's not the world we live in we live we live in a complex messy fucking place where things are not as easy as yes and no right and wrong there's gray There's varied responses. Islam can be a problem. Christianity can be a problem. And not all Christians be a problem. Not all Muslims be a problem. Right. Anyway, goddamn, we're going crazy here on the time. Mark's voicemail, all the fury that it did cause, both, I think, agreeing and disagreeing, it was spurned because of the Manchester attack and the things I said in response. Well, there's been another terrorist attack in London this time, and multiple dead, many wounded, and that's what we're going to talk about now.
8: Terror in London, starting with a van careening into crowds of people on the city's iconic London Bridge, and ending with several stabbings in a popular restaurant area. It is the third terror attack in the UK in the last three months. Police say they shot and killed three attackers.
9: About six or seven times we heard gunshots going off down the street. Um, each time we like three or four, maybe more gunshots at a time. Like the first one probably heard about 10, 15 gunshots.
8: Calls started coming in shortly after 10 p.m. local time of people being mowed down by a van on London Bridge. One eyewitness describes the van speeding, swerving, hitting several people, tossing one person 20 feet into the air.
9: Within my line of sight, there were uh, five or six bodies that I could see on the ground of people who were not moving.
8: Seconds later, the van crashed near Borough Market, the bar and restaurant area that was packed on a busy Saturday night. According to police, the suspects got out and started stabbing people.
9: I literally turned back around and there were these three, three men standing there, one of which were machete, and they had this sort of belt on. Um, we didn't really, they just looked at us and I just didn't really know what to do.
8: That market area is where police say they shot and killed the three male suspects. This image from the scene of what could be two of the assailants on the ground. London's mayor has this message for his city.
9: Londoners will see an increased police presence today and over the course of the next uh, few days. No reason to be alarmed. I'm reassured that we are one of the safest global cities uh, in the world.
2: Well, we, our hearts are with the people of London. Once again, another terrible act of barbarism at the hands of what is undeniable Muslim extremists Islamists because this has been the topic of the show we will repeat their views do not represent 1.8 billion Muslims they don't however even if 2%, 5% of that 1.8 billion believe the way they believe. That's a tremendous amount of fucking people. And it's a problem. And these ideas do need to be challenged. And we do need to find a way forward to combat, to eliminate this threat. Now, while tens of millions of Americans, hundreds of millions of Americans are thinking and praying for, for London right now. That's not a commentary on whether I think that's effective. That's just what's happening. We're thinking about you. This is just one more area where our president, we're going to skip dollar altogether, just go into this, that our president is so short-sighted and childish and fucking petty that he is tweeting, attacking the London mayor, who also happens to be Muslim, rather than extending an olive branch and support from America as a country, he's being a fucking jerk off. That terror attack in London prompting a stern response from the White House. President Trump on Twitter almost immediately doubling down on the need for his travel ban to keep Americans safe. Then, lashing out at the mayor of London over something he said, a tweet many are questioning tonight. ABC's David Wright is at the White House.
5: For President Trump, these panicked scenes in London were an opportunity to settle old scores. The president's first instinct to plug his temporary travel ban on citizens of six Muslim countries, a policy currently blocked by the courts. We need to be smart, vigilant and tough, Trump tweeted. We need the courts to give us back our rights. We need the travel ban as an extra level of safety. Only later did Trump express solidarity and support for the people of Britain. Then today, Trump took aim at London's mayor, Sadiq Khan.
9: Londoners will see an increased police presence today and over the course of the next uh, few days, no reason to be alarmed.
5: Trump tweeted, at least seven dead and 48 wounded in terror attack and mayor of London says there is no reason to be alarmed. Trump's tweet suggested Khan was not concerned about the carnage.
9: I'm appalled and furious that these twisted and cowardly terrorists deliberately targeted innocent Londoners and visitors to our city who were just enjoying their Saturday night.
5: Asked for a response, Khan's office said he has more important things to do than respond to Donald Trump's ill-informed tweet that deliberately takes out of context his remarks. Trump and Khan have clashed before over the travel ban. I think
9: the ban is cruel and shameful, and our prime minister should not be condoning it.
5: Khan called for Trump's state visit to Britain to be canceled. Soon after that controversy, the White House agreed to postpone the trip. So Donald
3: Trump has continued tweeting today about this. Yeah. And he tweeted five hours ago, Pathetic excuse by London Mayor Sadiq Khan, who had to think fast on his no-reason-to-be-alarmed statement. Mainstream media is working hard to sell it. There's nothing to sell. Yeah, you heard the comment right there in context. Look,
2: London is a place, for Americans who don't know, where cops don't normally carry guns. So he's saying, look, you're going to see guys out there with machine guns. Don't be alarmed. They're there in response to, to protect you, to buttress the the, the security standard of the United Kingdom. Within the country.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: don't be alarmed when you see those guys. And gals, I'm assuming.
3: Well, and he, he used this terrorist attack as an opportunity to ratchet up fear in the general public.
2: Right. For his Muslim ban.
3: And discuss the need for us to protect our own people. It's very disturbing. Yeah. You, you heard the London mayor say it. I don't have time to deal with this person. I have
2: real things going on here.
3: Right. So our, the president of the United States is not even addressed as a serious person. Right. It's just like a troll. He's treating him like a troll, that's tweeting him aggressively, yeah, like one
2: of those clowns on Facebook.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't have time to deal with this person who's not a serious person. His
2: comment is getting ignored.
3: <laughs> yeah, and that's embarrassing for us.
2: It is, but I, I really hope that that you know our our listeners in in Britain and all over Europe that they let they let their friends and neighbors know who are concerned about the state of affairs in the United States that. Not all Americans are on board with the goddamn idiot in the White House. There are many, 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 more than not, the majority of Americans, it's only because of our goofy electoral system that he's in there, the majority of Americans aren't with Donald Trump, don't agree with Donald Trump, don't subscribe to his thoughts on this matter. So please help us. Get that information out there. Get that viewpoint shared. I hope that's already known, but but it really is true.
3: Well, also, his tweets, the excessive amount of tweets on the travel ban.
2: It was a lot this morning. That's
3: not going to be beneficial for him. No. And I mean, whatever he wants to try to accomplish in getting that passed. He
2: still doesn't understand that those are going to be entered into the record, the court record, and they will be taken into account when the judges, when the Supreme Court comes to rule on this. He's shooting himself in the fucking foot. He needs five votes. Mm-hmm. Likely not gonna get it.
3: No, not when he's talking about the original one. They should have stayed with the original one, not the watered down, politically correct version. Yeah. Okay. Well, perfect. You're you're proving what everyone thought.
2: You may as well be testifying before the Supreme Court yourself, dickhole.
3: Yeah, and then you you have people like Sebastian Giant Head. What's his name? Uh-
2: Oh, God damn. What is his... Uh, I don't know. Okay. He
3: has a large head. And he... I'll look it up. That's too good. He was on with Chris Cuomo today. Gorka. Gorka.
2: <laughs> he does have a giant head. It's bigger than Sean Hannity's. It's
3: like twice the Listen, size of Sean Hannity's. I have
2: a big melon. And Sean Hannity's melon appears to be bigger than mine. And Gorka's makes Sean Hannity's head look like a little cantaloupe. It's a giant pumpkin head.
3: Yes. He was on with Chris Cuomo.
2: All that to say he was on with Chris Cuomo. <laughs>
3: and Chris Cuomo was trying to ask him about one of the tweets about this, the travel ban. And Sebastian Gorka was saying, I'm not going to talk about that. It's irrelevant. And Chris Cuomo said, no, the president of the United States is tweeting. And and Sebastian Gorka kept trying to write it off as though it's just social media. It's right. just social media. It's not policy.
2: It's the president speaking, it's communicating. The,
3: right. It's the president communicating about policy. He's tweeting his thoughts, his opinions, his beliefs on policy. So we can't just say, oh, yeah, he's just tweeting, but don't worry about it.
2: There is a new... I, it's new to me. I just followed it this morning. But there's, a, there's an account out there on Twitter called Real Press Sec Bot. R-E-A-L. Press, like press... Real press secretary bot. Real press sec bot. Mm-hmm. And they reformat Donald Trump's tweets with, with a, a a graphic that looks like a White House memo directly from the White House that repurposes the, the text of his tweet in an actual formal statement from the White House. And that's the way we should be looking at this. Every yeah. single tweet is an official statement from the White House, an official policy statement. Because that's how the courts are taking them. When testimony comes in, when they're arguing the case for this Muslim ban, his tweets and prior campaign statements are being taken into account. So in a legal sense, they matter. Yeah,
3: I I just had a sudden uh, rush of (laughs) sadness come over me because... This is where we are. Yeah, I'm in despair because it's really remarkable what's happening. And people are still standing by this man, people who should know better and people who know that this is embarrassing, people who know that we can do better than this. Uh, It's also strange to me that Donald Trump is so concerned with receiving praise and being liked. And he does so many things that make him hateable and, and, Cause them to be laughed at. Yeah. I mean, the whole world, all of these nations coming forward, you know, uh, the, the French president making a statement after Donald Trump announced that he was, uh, backing out of the Paris climate accord.
2: Well, I have a whole slate of things we're not going to get to today. We'll push it till next time. It's just that thing. Yeah.
3: It's just, well, listen,
2: we live in a complicated world, as I've already said, a very dangerous world and we need serious people to lead us. Donald Trump is not that man. Donald Trump doesn't have the mental fortitude or nuanced understanding of the threats that face us as a species, not just as Americans, as human beings to lead 360 million of us and keep us safe. He endangers us with his idiocy on Twitter he presents an actual real-world security threat to the United States of America and many countries globally with his behavior. And something must be done. Congress needs to get their shit together and get this guy out of office because although Mike Pence would be terrible, I wouldn't feel as endangered with him as president of the United States. I don't know about anybody else, but that's that's where I land on it Brittany
3: so <laughs> let's end with some positive information 538. Uh, 538- They posted an article today and... I almost
2: played the taking care of biz. The
3: title of it is Democrats are are overperforming in special elections almost everywhere.
2: Yeah, by a lot.
3: Yeah, and uh, this is what they say. Since Trump took office, voters have gone to the polls 24 times in 13 states to fill vacancies in their state legislatures, giving 538 a data set that is robust enough for them to start identifying patterns. And the results in these races echo the returns from Kansas and Montana... Democrats have overperformed almost everywhere.
2: By like 14.5% or something.
3: So even though they're referencing Montana and obviously the. That guy lost,
2: the Democrat lost. Right,
3: body slam, hashtag body slam.
2: (laughs) Gianforte won.
3: Right, it was so close.
2: And that's not a state where it's normally close. Okay. is what they're saying.
3: So, overall the trend is clear. Democratic special election candidates have improved their margins over Republicans relative to their district's partisan lean by an average of 14.4 percentage points. Yeah.
2: That that is a remarkable number that hopefully does shed some light on what's going to co- what's going to happen here. Again, bringing us full circle to what we talked about at the beginning. The midterms.
3: So they say this pattern has popped up in districts from rural Minnesota Minnesota, to the suburbs of Atlanta to the Black Belt of Louisiana. In two instances, New Hampshire House District Carroll 6 and New York Assembly District 9, the shift was enough to flip the seat from red to blue.
2: Fourteen and a half percent in politics and elections is a massive margin. And if they're getting those kind of swings... We're going to see something remarkable in 2018. We just need to stay focused, stay motivated, stay involved, and keep the fire alive. Too often in American politics, people get complacent and they get, they get wore out. And now is no time for that fatigue. We, we need to stay, stay on this. All right.
3: taking care of biz Richard Angel
2: Richard Angel
3: Yeah I here's what happened I had my back to the TV and CNN was on and I heard this guy talking and I thought oh this is this sounds like a reporter I've never heard of before so I turn around and it's a guy being interviewed by a reporter who witnessed the London Bridge attack the part that happened in the restaurant. He was in the yeah, restaurant when, yeah. it, when the stabbings were going on. And he was explaining what happened in such an eloquent, professional way. It was almost as though he was a reporter. Yeah. But he was just a witness. And he was awesome.
2: For sure awesome.
3: There's several different videos of him circulating. And one of them is him explaining in detail for several minutes what yeah, actually happened. I believe
2: that clip was, was, that was a CNN interview, I think.
3: Yeah. And then he was also interviewed by the BBC. And he said a lot of the same things, but also inserted a very inspirational kind of.
2: It makes me emotional. Yeah. Every time I hear it, it does.
3: So we're going to play that.
2: And I keep saying, if me having a gin and tonic with my friends, flirting
9: with handsome men, hanging out with brilliant women, is what offends these people so much, I'm going to do it more, not less. Because that's what makes London so great. That's what makes it the best city in the world. And we're going to go out and enjoy it more. And I'm more determined than ever to love the city that looks after me. And the emergency services were just Phenomenal, like they were there within seconds, they kept us safe, they swept the place. And then, two things really struck with me. One, when we were leaving, the police were our eyes and ears as we're trying to avoid blood or people's shoes at a full knob or dropped wallets or whatever. They were our eyes and ears and they kept us safe. But secondly, I noticed the paramedic that was looking after a woman who was sadly face down on the ground there's a couple of them and thought they run at danger. Then they turn their back to danger to put together the life in front of them, while we're running for our lives behind them and I thought that I don't know I I, I'd not thought about it in that way before but they they seem to be the most vulnerable at that point and they did a remarkable thing and I might never meet the people who made judgments that potentially saved my life last night but I'm thankful to those people and I hope London hugs them in lots of ways and...
7: and and clearly you're saying in every way Life life carries on, London Absolutely. bounces back in the way that we've seen Manchester bounce they back. They hate
9: our democracy, go vote people, they hate our equality, go and meet somebody you haven't met before from a different part of the world. I was having dinner with an Australian, like, next time it should be with someone from Pakistan or Africa or whatever. Like, that's what's so great about London. And small-minded, cowardly, evil people should not change our way of life. They won't make me scared on the streets of London. And... I just think the people of Manchester have inspired us in the last fortnight, and I hope the Londoners do their bit, and I'm confident they will step up to the plate.
3: So, also, he went back to the restaurant that he was in where where all this happened, yeah, and wanted to pay his bill and leave a tip, but it's uh, not reopening yet. So, he has said that um, everyone should go there and pay their bill. (laughs) Leave a tip, yeah, and uh, also just go there when it reopens.
2: I, I love the Brits, man. Yeah, it, 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 there's a resiliency there, and the, the, history has proved this out. That during World War II, when 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 the Nazis were fucking bombing aerially, air, with aerial just blitz, just fucking thousands and thousands of pounds of munitions just pounding on London. And there are photos of the queen of the royal family walking through the the rubble. Mm-hmm. The, there's there is something special. Look, we're we're many Americans. I am I I'm that's my stock. That's where I come from. I mean, hundreds of years ago. <laughs> but that resiliency I think is is a special thing. And there's many countries across the planet that that also exhibit it. And it's it, it's just a bummer that we really recognize it in moments of adversity. So Richard Angle, Richard Angel, taking care of biz today. All right. Well, we are going to end it there. Next time we'll get to all this climate change, hopefully, this, parents, this Paris Climate Accord business. Until then, though, listen, this has been kind of an unorthodox show because there was so much going on. We love you guys. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we didn't do the, the, the Patreon mid-roll. If, if you would like to support the show to continue these types of shows and moving these types of conversation forward, we would love for, for you to have to join our Patreon family. We actually have a new patron today. Barbara. Barbara. Thank you. Thank you very much for your support of the program. And uh, all of our bonus content. If you haven't listened, we released a bonus episode on Friday with soon-to-be, hopefully, Congressman Mike Levin, who's running against Daryl Issa. I would encourage you to check that out. Great episode. We have a very fun conversation with him. Uh, we, we are passionate about what we're doing here. We are passionate about the relationships that we're building with our audience globally. It's a beautiful thing, and we love you guys. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been, I Doubt It.
3: Brittany's the best part, but shout out to Jonathan from the UK. What a G.
2: Wow. <laughs> Love
8: to <the> show <laughs> Britney's the best part.